Hi, I'm Notre Dame safety Kyle Hamilton, and you're listening to Single High, a Notre Dame football podcast from UHND.com, the official home of the Kyle Hamilton fan club. Welcome to a solo edition of Single High, the Notre Dame football podcast presented by UHND.com. I'm your host today, Frank Vitovich, uh, coming to you uh, again from uh, from paternity leave. Unfortunately, Greg and I's schedules yet again not uh, not working out, uh, you know, so well uh, right uh, you know right now with uh, again Greg on the West Coast, and me on the East Coast, in and out of uh, in and out of sleep. As uh, taking care of a now five week old, uh, five week old baby, so uh, it's just going to be me today. Uh, I don't think I'll be able to spend the normal, uh, you know, hour plus time with uh, you know with you all. But we wanted to make sure that we did get a podcast up, you know, before uh, you know before Senior Day. It's an important game, uh, you know, maybe not uh, you know in terms of it being a big game, but it is an important game. Uh, you know, anytime you have a lot of players who are going to be putting on. Uh, you know the gold helmet and uh, running out of that tunnel at Notre Dame Stadium for the uh, you know for the uh, for the last time. So we're gonna talk a little bit about Georgia Tech. Like I said, the game itself not necessarily uh, you know the uh, the most uh, significant game on the on the schedule. Anytime a three and seven team comes into uh, comes into your stadium, things should be uh, you know relatively stress free. You know unless it is two thousand eight and it snows and you're a terrible Syracuse team that uh, comes into uh, to Notre Dame Stadium and knocks off the Fighting Irish. But uh, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen this week. But uh, we'll we'll get into Georgia Tech. And we're going to talk a lot about the seniors. Uh, it is an interesting, yet another interesting, you know, senior day, in that there's a lot of seniors not only that have an additional year, you know, of eligibility because of you know redshirting and, and things like that at, at various points in their career. But you get a lot of seniors who have two years of eligibility because they redshirted and because of that free COVID year. So we're going to dive into that. I'm going to run through some of the seniors I'm hopeful, you know, to see, uh, you know, to see return in 2022, who I think could make a big impact you know, on the, you know, on the program. And then we asked for reviews last week and you all answered the call. We got four new reviews that came in this week, all five-star rating. Uh, so we are going to read them. Uh, you know, we do that, uh, you know, we, we do that, uh, you know, every time, uh, every time you guys lead that, uh, leave them for us. We love the reviews. So if you're listening to this um, and you haven't reviewed us, Give us a review. We do, uh, you know, we do greatly, uh, greatly appreciate them. As you're going to find out, we got four, 
four new ones, uh, you know, just within just about the last seven days here. Yeah, all since uh, since November 12th. So we, uh, you know, we appreciate that. Uh, we're going to run through them, like I said, and then we'll jump into a little bit of Georgia Tech and then we'll talk uh, seniors and, you know, wrap up with uh, with a game prediction. So here we go. First review coming in from DRND08, uh, titled Great Podcast, Five Stars. Review Flags, Home Run in Pizza, Papa John's Pizza, Julian Love, and JOK Earned Five Star. Beans on Chili, Kyle Hamilton Injuries, BVG, Michigan, Pit, Super Weapon, Gas Station Food, Go Avs, and Indiana Mexican Food. Okay, now that I have triggered all the other podcasters that listen to this podcast, love the podcast. This is a great podcast for uh, Notre Dame fans. Greg, thanks for all the video breakdowns. And Frank, congrats on the new baby. Well, one, thank you for the uh, for the congratulations. And thank you for you know, for the review. You certainly did probably trigger a lot of our podcasting, uh, a lot of our podcast podcasting friends, specifically our friends over at One Foot Down and our friends at uh, at Her Loyal Son, specifically Ryan with the uh, the beans on chili comment, which we all know is the only way to actually have uh, have chili. Otherwise, it is just meat sauce, as uh, I have told Ryan a number of times over the uh, over the years. But thank you. Thank you for the review. Uh, next up, we have Dial H Fan Club who gave us five stars and said review one. For uh, for Frankie's boys, we had said last week that uh, there have been no uh, reviews since uh, since my son was born, and uh, and he was getting a little upset. You know, he was saying, "Dad, you know, I heard you had this podcast that people like, but no one's leaving reviews. So how how am I supposed to know?" So I appreciate their their review in uh, in, uh, in in his honor. But here's the review. I wanted to leave a review, but when I heard a review hadn't been left since the birth of Frank Jr., I knew I had to leave one. The tandem of Frank Sr. and Greg works really well. Greg takes a nice analytical approach while Frank has the role of passionate fan. The guests are always great and a welcome addition. Question for the pod. How did you become Notre Dame fans? Keep up the great work, gentlemen. May your Saturdays or other applicable days be full of Irish victories. Uh, one, thank you for that, uh, for that review, Dial H uh, Fan Club. I can't speak for Greg, but I could tell you uh, how I became a Notre Dame fan is a little bit of a, a little bit of a mystery, but I think it actually might somewhat be similar to uh, you know to how Greg became a Notre Dame fan from uh, from him he and I talking about this in the past. Uh, but growing up, I always assumed I was a Notre Dame fan because my dad was a Notre Dame fan because my dad and I would watch the Notre Dame games you know together yeah, every Saturday. Uh, you know, with, uh, you know, w- without fail, we would, uh, we, we'd watch the games together and I can't remember how old I was, but I, you know, I was probably, uh, in my twenties at, uh, you know, at this point when I had said something like jokingly, like, ah, why'd you make me become a Notre Dame fan, dad? This is miserable. And my mom looked at me and I was like, what are you talking about? She was like, your dad became a Notre Dame fan more because of you than vice versa. And I was like, well, what, wait, what are you guys talking about? I'm like, how did I become such a huge Notre Dame fan? Uh, and they they were like, we don't know. They said one day, uh, you know, I was sitting there watching a Notre Dame game and uh, randomly and, you know, just looked at, you know, my parents and said, where one day I'm going to go to school there. Like very Rudy-like. This is well before Rudy came out because um, this was probably you know, late 80s, early 90s at this point. Um, and they both looked at each other kind of surprised. They weren't really sure where it was coming from. Story my mother likes to tell 
is that, you know, her father, my grandfather on that side, unfortunately passed away before I was born, you know, probably about six months, I think it was six, seven months before I was born. He unfortunately, um, you know, had, had passed away. So I never got to, never got to meet that grandfather, but he was a diehard, diehard, uh, Notre Dame football fan screamed at the TV, you know, much like, uh, you know, myself on a Saturday or screamed into, you know, now I scream into Twitter, as most of you know, who follow me. But, um, that, so my mom's, my mom's theory is that it was, you know, that, that grandfather, you know, her dad kind of looking down and instilling something, uh, something upon me, um, you know, even though, uh, even though he and I never did, uh, uh, get to meet. So that's the story my mom likes to tell. Um, I do think it also has a lot to do with number 25 rocket Ishmael and watching him in the late eighties and just, you know, thinking, wow, that guy's really good at football. Um, and Rocket was always, Rocket's kind of my first, you know, memories of, of being a, a real fan. So I always kind of uh, attribute it to that. And if I'm not mistaken, Rocket has a lot to do with, uh, with, while Greg, with why Greg is uh, a Notre Dame fan, but uh, I'll let him answer that on a, on a future podcast. Uh, but again, thank you for the, uh, thank you for the review, Dial H Fan Club. Next one, again, coming in another five stars. We got one from John uh, Fitter says, Greg and Frank do a great job previewing and breaking down the results of Notre Dame games. Great insight from both. Only downside is that Frank is a fan of the Santa-hating, snowball-throwing Philadelphia Eagles. Hopefully becoming a new father will cause him to reassess his NFL team and become a Cowboys fan, as all reasonable people are. LOL. Ay, ay, ay. Well, one, John, thank you for the review. Um, I do do quite uh, appreciate that. Um, however, um, if anything, uh, you know, being a father has only made me a stronger Philadelphia Eagles fan because I have to instill upon my, uh, you know, my son, although maybe I shouldn't because it is a lifetime of misery, uh, the, the Philadelphia Eagle fandom that was passed down from, uh, you know, from my dad, that one I'm, uh, I'm, I'm sure of because I grew up, uh, you know, a little bit north of a uh, little bit north of Philadelphia and lived in Philly for, uh, for a number of years. But, uh, no, I will still be a uh, well, lifelong Philadelphia Eagles fan, unfortunately. Although, you know, on last week's pod, I was pretty down on them, but all of a sudden they beat pretty good Broncos team. I looked at the schedule. They're playing a bunch of dreadful teams coming up. And, uh, hey, the Philadelphia Eagles might just be respectable this year. Who knew? But uh, you know what? That's uh, it's a theme of the reviews because the next one also mentions the Cowboys. Uh, this one says, Beer Me by R.J. Halicki. Um, it says, Frank and Greg and guests always do a good job. Come in for beer reviews. Frank's weekly pain from Philly fandom and Greg's always seemingly positive, optimistic outlook with many of us uh, with many of us need given how easy it is to forget where we are as a program. Thanks for the work you guys do. And Frank, awesome job on the solo pod. How about them Cowboys and go Irish? Uh, so I believe this is uh, Robert Alecki, uh, you know, from uh, from Twitter, just based on the uh, on the username. I uh, appreciate the the kudos uh, for doing the solo pod. Hopefully this one, you know, lives up to uh, lives up to those standards for you all as well. Hi, hi, hi. Again with the again with the Cowboys. Uh, begrudgingly, I do have to admit they do look uh, pretty solid. But uh, you know, until they actually do something in the Cowboy or in the in the playoffs, other than uh, other than choking, I'm still going to hang on to uh, to my belief that they are not going to come out of the NFC and they are not going to uh, to win the Super Bowl. But we'll see because the NFC does not look very strong this year. Um, but um, thank you for the review. Funny you mentioned the the beer me. I am recording this. Uh, I started recording this before noon 
on a Friday. I thought that was a little bit too early, a little bit too early for a beer, uh, you know, uh, today. So this podcast is actually being powered by a Coca-Cola with coffee, which has become one of my new guilty pleasures uh, while we, uh, you know, while again, while I'm uh, on paternity leave here, uh, got a lot of caffeine. It tastes amazing. I love, always loved Coca-Cola growing up uh, and, you know, kids can only drink so much coffee. So uh, this stuff is pretty damn good um, for anybody, uh, anybody listening who also likes both of those two things. I did, however, uh, have a pretty solid beer uh, last night uh, from Industrial Arts Brewing in, uh, I believe they're, they're, they're located out of New York. I gave it a four out of five stars. Um, it was called Yes Farms, Yes Beer. Very weird name, but just a pretty solid, uh, you know, hazy, uh, you know, hazy IPA. But uh, yeah, I thought it was a little bit early in the day to uh to uh to uh, to, to dip into uh dip into the beers uh, but um we'll we'll bring those back obviously in uh future episodes so that took a long time for reviews this week because you all were great in uh, in leaving us some reviews like i said we really appreciate that makes us feel good you know to see that you guys are uh you know are liking the podcast uh so keep them coming like i said we will we will continue to uh, to read them all right, let's dig in a little bit to Georgia Tech Senior Day for Notre Dame in 2021. The Irish coming in at nine and one, uh, pretty heavy favorites in uh, you know in, in in this game for you know for a reason. Georgia Tech is you know just uh, three and seven on the season, um, so that's not that's not a very good uh, you know a very good uh, good good record for them. Uh, they've had a rough rough season. A lot of people thought they maybe were going to be a sneaky team this year. I know Greg actually had uh, mentioned in our preview season preview pod, he thought Georgia Tech might be one of the teams that could kind of sneak up on people. I think a lot of people thought that, you know, they had a coming into the season, you know, looked like quarterback Jeff Sims, you know, had a pretty good uh, year last year, was going to build upon that. And he's a little bit better this year, but you know, he's not, hasn't really built, uh, you know, on that, uh, on that whole lot. So it's uh, they're just again they they they've lost some bad games, um, and we don't even know now who will be starting. Um, you know, it's going to either be Sims, who came in the season as the the unquestioned starter, or uh, freshman Jordan Yates, who's played a little bit. Uh, you know, this uh, he's played a little bit this uh, this season. Uh, you know, as well. Neither you know really poses a huge threat. Uh, I would say to the Notre Dame defense. Sims probably does more. And I wrote about this in my preview post just because Sims has the talent. I don't, I don't think anybody disputes that. He's just had one of those seasons where it, it's almost like he knows he's very talented and can make a lot of the throws and is very athletic and can do a lot of things. And he hasn't quite yet learned the balance between, you know, just trying to, to make a, trying to make a play and just kind of taking, you know, what a defense, what a defense gives you, uh, you know, along, you know, along the way. I think if there's one concern I have, you know, regarding quarterbacks for this game, it's that, you know, we've seen this story before where supremely, you know, talented, just kind of raw quarterback comes in. And for whatever reason, Notre Dame Stadium is where they decide they're going to put it all together. There hasn't been a lot 
a vindication from Sims that that's that that's happening, that he's on the verge of that or anything like that. But he just he does have you know he does have talent, um, and and there is that kind of raw ability. And even if he has like a bad game, there's probably a chance that he's going to make you know like if he is the starter, that he's going to make one play where you're just like oh. Damn, that was how did how did he do that? Uh, because he does have you know he does have uh, does have talent uh, to be able to uh, to make those kind of you know plays where you're like man we had him contained and then all of a sudden he just makes this play. Um, so that's a concern you know for this game. Other than that, uh, I mean Georgia Tech does have uh, some talent uh, you know on the offensive uh, offensive side of the ball. Um, not a lot, but some um, primarily. Uh, you know, they have uh, Jameer Gibbs, who is their kind of do everything back. He you know leads the team in rushing, leads the team in receptions, leads the team in receiving yards. Um, so he's really, you know, kind of the, the offense kind of revolves around him. His numbers, when you look at them, are not super, super impressive. But I mean, he is kind of the, uh, you know, the focal point of this team. And if you don't account for him, you know, he could, uh, you know, he could do, uh, you know, do some damage. You know, on the season, you know, just looking at it, he's got uh, he's coming in with uh, just under 700 yards, uh, you know, rushing, averaging a little over five yards a carry, and then on the receiving end, 34 receptions for 460, uh, you know, 69 yards, which that also tells you, you know, a little bit about uh, just how much Georgia Tech has struggled on offense. That their leading receiver, uh, you know, has 34 receptions, 400 and uh, you know, and 69 yards on the, you know, on, on the season. So defensively, you know, this, this team does not pose the threat, you know, that we, you know, that say like a North Carolina did, or even a USC where they come in and they have, um, you know, a superstar wide receiver that you have to worry is going to have 250 yards, uh, you know, 250 yards against you and maybe, you know, wreck your day. Um, they just don't, just don't have it. Um, you know, I mean, Jeff Collins, the you know, head coach at Georgia Tech, uh, you know, converted this team from a triple option attack a few years ago. And it's still kind of in that uh, transition phase of, uh, you know, kind of building up, building up the roster, uh, you know, for, you know, for the offense that they want to run. I think Brian Kelly, you know, really channeled his inner Lou Holtz this week when he really talked up Georgia Tech at his Monday press conference. Uh, you know, Holtz, was notorious for, you know, for his weekly press conferences talking about, you know, I don't, I don't even know how we're going to get a first down against Navy, let alone beat them, you know, uh, you know, just so that his teams, you know, heard that and, and kind of respected the opponent. Kelly really tried to do that this week by saying, yeah, I know they're, they're three and seven, but they're not, you know, they're not really, you know, your typical three and seven team, you know, they're pretty good. They have talent. Uh, they lost a lot of close games, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, talked up some of the, uh, you know, some of the, some of the just kind of, again, raw talent that they have. But I mean, this is a team that has lost four out of five, four in a, or four in a row, and then uh, five out of six, I should say, sorry, uh, with that lone win in the last six games being a four-point win over Duke, um, which is not uh, not necessarily an, an impressive win. They gave up 52 points to Pitt, and Pitt had 42 points at halftime of that game. So defensively, this is a team that is just not very strong right now. They gave up 48 to UVA. They gave up 41 last week to the Phil Yurkovich-led, uh, uh, you know, Boston College, uh, you know, Boston College Eagles. Which, um, I mean, Yurkovich, uh, this was just his second game 
you know, his second game back from, uh, you know, from injury. Uh, and I'm sure again, this had a bunch of Notre Dame fans all up in arms, uh, because of, you know, your uh, transfer from Notre Dame two years ago. Uh, but I mean, he, he did post, uh, 310 yards on 13 completions, which is pretty ridiculous. Um, uh, and what's even more ridiculous is that, you know, usually when you see 13 completions, 310 yards, you're thinking it's a bunch of long bomb touchdowns, but, um, he only had two touchdowns, uh, and his long was only 48, which again, when you see 310 yards on 13 completions, you're thinking probably, you know, there's a couple more, uh, you know, long bombs in there. So it was just kind of like a consistent day of just like, you know, hitting, uh, you know, intermediate to long passes against, uh, against this defense. Um, so not a very strong, you know, not a very strong defense. This might be the D de- uh, a defense where Notre Dame, you know, is able to take some shots downfield. Like we wanted, like we saw them doing a lot in the beginning of the season that they really have gotten away from after the bye week when they've kind of, you know, recalibrated the offense to be more of this, you know, hurry up, you know, kind of uh, methodical, uh, you know, methodical offense that's really predicated on, you know, getting the ball out quick and more short passes. Georgia Tech might give them the opportunity to open things up a little bit down, uh, a little bit downfield. I don't know that their Notre Dame is going to want to mess too much with what, you know, has been, uh, you know, has been working. Um, but at the same time, with as few receivers as Notre Dame has healthy, if you could hit a couple deep shots, get a you know long touchdown or two, you know here and there, and not have to you know have all of these long drives where your receivers are getting hit more, that would you know that would be quite ideal if they could do that on uh, you know on Senior Day. And you know you got a, a you know a speedy receiver in the senior class, Braden Lindsey, who early this season it seemed like Notre Dame really wanted. Uh, him to be more of a focal point of the offense. Uh, I mean, there, he had like three deep shots called his way. I think if I remember correctly in the Wisconsin game, there was a couple deep shots called for him early against Florida state. And he and Cone just never, never quite hit on those, uh, you know, on those plays. Uh, there was a couple, you know, a few times early on where Cone was under throwing Lindsay and then, you know, their defenders would have time to, you know, to recover and break things up. There was the play against Purdue when finally it looked like the two were going to connect and Lindsay lost the ball in the sun and dropped it, you know, in what would have been the easiest touchdown probably of his career. But this could be a game where maybe, uh, you know, they, uh, they have that opportunity, uh, to, uh, you know, to take some shots downfield, maybe get Lindsay a long touchdown or so. And in, in what may or may not be, you know, his, uh, you know, his final game in uh, in Notre Dame Stadium. But we'll talk about that a little more in detail when we go through uh you know the seniors um and who may or may not be playing their their final games uh tomorrow afternoon. But um I mean overall you you look at this game and and full strength healthy Notre Dame should have this game completely in hand and backups in for the entirety of the fourth quarter. I don't know. Um, again, we, we saw a little bit last week against Virginia where once Notre Dame got a lead, they got a little conservative, uh, didn't necessarily, you know, put up, you know, keep bombing it out or, or things like that. And, and was just content to, um, you know, to kind of, you know, use the clock and, and not necessarily, you know, put up, uh, put up a ton of points. I know it had a lot of Notre Dame fans upset, didn't necessarily upset me cause I get it. Um, you know, last week, it was clear from the get uh, that uh, Virginia was not going to score points on this, uh, you know, on this defense. And again, knowing all of the injuries that this this Notre Dame team has sustained, 
just trying to get out of Charlottesville last week with a win, I think was, I had no problem with it. I didn't necessarily care that Notre Dame wasn't, you know, trying to run up the score and trying to get style points. I know a lot of, again, there's a lot of consternation amongst Notre Dame fans about that. But again, think of the long picture and, you know, while there was Notre Dame fans who were upset that say Notre Dame didn't try to score at the end of the first half when you're up 21, nothing kind of got a feeling. A lot of those fans who were upset about that would be even more upset if say, I don't know, Notre Dame, Notre Dame was calling a bunch of shot plays there and, you know, for whatever, you know, unfortunately suffered another injury in the wide receiver, uh, you know, in it amongst the, uh, amongst the wide receivers, a lot of those fans would have been saying, what are you doing? You were up 21 points. They couldn't move the ball. You know what? You could have just killed the clock and got to the second half. So I see both sides of that. It doesn't, like I said, didn't necessarily bother me. Um, I reason I bring it up though, is because it, it would not surprise me if we saw something similar this week, where if Georgia tech is not able to score, they're not able to move the ball. I would not be surprised to see Notre Dame stay a little bit more conservative. Um, and again, just try to get to the next week unscathed, um, get to the next week, 10 and one and go into the, uh, you know, the season finale at Stanford with a chance to go, um, to go 11 and one. Cause while style points are great, um, in terms of, you know, potentially getting to the playoffs, you suffer more injuries and you know, what are you going to do if you get there? So, uh, I could see it going either way. Now, same token, if Georgia tech can come out and they score a couple times early, you know, then I think it's, you got to do what you got to do to win. And then you just, you know, you score as much as possible. And again, just try to get out of there, um, you know, without, uh, without more injuries, you can't play scared. Uh, but at the same time you can play smart. Um, and I think that's probably what we'll see, uh, we'll see happen. I think you'll see Notre Dame come out aggressive, Again, you know, in the first quarter and just kind of feel it out, see what's going on. If they come out of the first quarter, say up 14, nothing, and it looks like Georgia Tech isn't going to do much, then I think, uh, then I think you might see, you know, maybe some more running than, uh, than originally planned, uh, you know, from Kyron Williams and Logan Diggs and hopefully Chris Tyree. I haven't seen a whole lot of Chris Tyree over the last, uh, over the last few weeks, um, you know, since the turf toe injury against uh, Virginia Tech. But uh, it would certainly be nice to see him get into the uh, get into the open field and uh, and bust a long run. It's the kind of defense that uh, that you can do that uh, that you can do that against. So we'll see how that all uh, all plays out. Overall, though, I do not expect this to be a very stressful uh, you know a very stressful game. Georgia Tech can do a few things. You know, maybe they get, um, you know, maybe they hit a long pass play because uh, both of their quarterbacks are mobile. So you never know. Maybe where their quarterback breaks breaks away and, um, you know, just, just pulls out some sort of ad-lib play um, and they get a long touchdown out of it. Maybe Gibbs, you know, does, uh, you know, have uh, – you know, have a, have a, have a solid afternoon and, and, you know, gets into the end zone, uh, you know, a couple times, but overall, this is a game that Notre Dame, you know, should be able to win relatively, uh, you know, relatively, uh, relatively easy. And on that note, I said a few things there about, uh, you know, whether or not it may or may not be some players last games in, uh, you know, in Notre Dame stadium, on uh, on senior day so i'm going to run through you know, kind of the, the players that i think are you know we're probably seeing for the last time uh you know whether it's you know, juniors leaving or players who uh you know just might uh might be coming out uh you know for uh, you know for whatever reason 
And we actually got a couple questions about uh, about the seniors that you know from uh, from some of our uh, some of our uh, listeners. So we'll uh, you know we'll touch on touch on that. For instance, Clutch Sports Notre Dame says I'm sure you'll cover it. But how would you rank the importance of each senior you know that could come back most impactful to least? Obviously, we will exclude draft locks like Hamilton and Williams. Yep, we'll definitely get into that. Uh, and then Oscar Garcia, who is doing a hell of a job with all of the, uh, the Spanish soccer style, uh, video clips of all the big plays, uh, from, uh, from Notre Dame weekend and uh, week out asked which senior brings the most locker room energy that might be missed, uh, the most. So actually I'll cover that one first. Cause to me, there, one name came right to mind and, uh, you know, was, uh, you know, was, was, was who I had, it, it, just me, one name came came to my mind immediately, and we know it's his last game, and that's Kurt Heinisch. Um, you know, Heinisch has been kind of, you know, he's been just, how did I describe him? Uh, he's just earlier in one of the pods where he just seems like a guy that the entire team, uh, you know, the entire team loves. And they all, you know, kind of resonate, uh, you know, the, the, he resonates with everybody. The coaching staff loves him. He's the kind of player that, you know, I think could probably – Say things to Brian Kelly or the other coaching staff, uh, other coaching staff members that nobody else could say and get away with because um, he's just that kind of personality. Um, and Notre Dame doesn't have a lot of vocal leaders this year. Uh, you know, they have seven captains, but a lot of the captains, and this happens at Notre Dame a lot because of the kind of athlete I think that Notre Dame you know tends to attract and recruit. So they have a lot of you know kind of lead by example players. Uh, Heinish though. You know, Heinish is is a guy who, uh, you know, who does get, um, you know, does get the uh, the rest of the team, uh, you know, the rest of the team going. I think players feed off his energy. Uh, you know, no surprise that you know in the only game Notre Dame lost this year, Kurt Heinish was out for. Um, you know, as he, uh, you know, he had missed his, uh, he had missed two games in a row there, but um, that was a. I think his presence was was really felt, or his loss uh, was, was felt that day. Um, they could have really used him against uh, against Cincinnati for his leadership, but uh, his name came to mind. Another one who's not a senior that comes to mind is Kyron Williams. Uh, you know, who is a junior, but I think anybody who's watched Notre Dame football for the last two years is expecting tomorrow to be Kyron Williams' last game in Notre Dame Stadium. Uh, you know, the shelf life of running backs uh, is not as long as it is at other positions. He's going to have back-to-back thousand-yard seasons. He's got a highlight reel within two years that most players, um, you know, would be jealous of. In four years, uh, makes ridiculous plays week in and week out. So again, we're going to assume that he tomorrow, tomorrow is that, that we're going to assume that tomorrow is his last game in Notre Dame Stadium. But in terms of energy, if you watch all the icon, you know, clips from Notre Dame, it's pretty clear that, that Kyron is one of the uh, one of the players that, from just like an energy perspective, everybody else. Uh, you know, feeds off of. He is that kind of alpha man. You know, that alpha player on the you know on the offense. So I do think Notre Dame is going to miss that. Uh, you know, miss that next year. You know, quite a bit on offense, and somebody else will have to fill that role. I think there's candidates for that, but um, those are the two names that uh, that came to my mind. You know, just immediately in terms of energy. Uh, you know, in the locker room or on the sidelines that Notre Dame uh, Notre Dame will miss. You know, and that said, too, you know, speaking of players that I'm assuming are gone or that we're going to see for the last time, you know, aside from Kyron, I think we all kind of assume that Kyle Hamilton, 
you know, is not going to, you know, suit up again for Notre Dame unless Notre Dame were to sneak into the playoffs here over the last few weeks. Brian Kelly said earlier this week for the first time that the time frame for his injury was actually more like six weeks, which would put him one week past the, uh, the season finale against Stanford. So, you know, we'll see what happens there about, you know, if he were to play in a bowl, depending on, again, what bowl Notre Dame's in and if they make it to the playoffs. But regardless, I mean, he's going to be a top five pick if he comes out this year. So there'd be no reason for him to come back. Other players um, who, you know, who may or may not, who I'm going to assume are probably gone. Uh, I'm going to assume Jarrett Patterson is, you know, he'll be, you know, coming off third year as a starter, um, you know, for, you know, for Notre Dame coming back from the injury that he suffered at the end of last year. He probably hasn't had the best season, you know, at least in terms of, uh, you know, what, what was thought of him. But a lot of that was because of the instability around him. So it's really hard for a center to shine when the rest of the offensive line has the kind of struggles that, uh, you know, that the Notre Dame offensive line had. But uh, I'm going to say Patterson, you know, he's going to have a NFL decision, you know, to make. Again, centers don't typically get drafted super high in in the NFL draft. So how much he would be able to potentially improve a draft stock coming back for another year, I don't quite know. But I'm going to work under the assumption that, you know, that tomorrow will be his last game. And if he comes back, that would be phenomenal uh, because that just makes the offensive line that much better uh, next year. And I already think the offensive line is going to be a strength of the team in 2022. Other players, um, you know, Myron uh, along the along the defensive line, you know, it was he had a little bit of a decision to make last year you know, and, and he came back. He, you know, he does have another year you know, left, uh, because he did suffer that injury a couple years back that cost him, uh, you know, the, uh, most of the season. And he played under the, uh, the allotted number of games to maintain eligibility. I just, I don't know if he'll come back, um, mainly cause he, you know, he made that decision last year. Maybe he comes back, uh, you know, to try to get a second season at defensive end, uh, before, you know, testing the waters in the, uh, in the, in the, uh, in, in the NFL. But, um, and I, I came into this season thinking this was my, Myron's last year. So for now, I'll just continue to think that. Um, and again, if he comes back, welcome, uh, welcome addition and a surprise. Uh, a couple other players who could come back, uh, Josh Lug could come back. Isaiah Pryor, um, you know, could, uh, you know, could come back. I just, I don't know. Again, I came into the season not thinking either would. So I don't know if either would, uh, you know, would potentially return, but those options are there for them because again, of the, uh, of the COVID year, even though both are fifth year seniors, Myron also fifth year senior, but, um, you know, would have that extra year of eligibility in 2022. Should he choose to, uh, you know, should he choose to, uh, you know, to use it, uh, in terms of other juniors that I think we might be seeing for the last time, I think the only one that really jumps out to me is Isaiah Foskey. You know, he's had a really good year, Quiet couple of weeks. The last, the uh, you know, the last few weeks looked like he might challenge Justin Tuck's, um, you know, single season sack record. And now, without, you know, some sort of just like monster three plus sack game, which is possible. We saw Riley Mills do it last week. Um, you know, I, I don't know that that's still possible, but uh, you know, Foskey is going to probably have a decision to make. He's already said he's going to get an NFL evaluation. I think you know, for somebody like him, he has got the prototypical build of a defensive end in the NFL, 
Um, so if he were to get draft, if he were to come out this year, I think he gets drafted more on potential this year, uh, than in overall production, his sack numbers are up. I think of anything, you know, he could probably improve his stock a lot by coming back in 2022, uh, by improving against the run. Um, and then also just kind of building on his pass rush. A lot of his pass rush moves come when he, you know, beats the tackle, uh, you know, that he's going up against to the outside. We've seen him do a swim move, uh, sorry, not a spin move, a swim move, a spin move a couple of times, but I think, you know, he could probably build on his pass, uh, you know, his other, you know, his secondary, you know, pass rush, uh, pass rush moves and potentially be a first round pick if he came out after next year. I don't think that's possible this year. I think maybe you're looking at probably third round, um, maybe second round again, because all it takes is one team to say, you know, he's got all of the, all the skills we need. He just needs, uh, he just needs more, uh, you know, more reps and more, uh, you know, more development. But that's going to be one, uh, one to watch. All right, how are we doing on time? Ah, cruising through here. All right. So now we're going to go through the players that, uh, you know, I think you know would be ideal to see return, you know, next year. At least from you know from my perspective, this is just my opinion. Um, and again, I'm sure a lot of these players have already had conversations with the coaching staff. Um, I'm sure the coaching staff kind of knows where most of these players' heads are at, um, you know, right now. But um, you know, these are just uh, kind of my thoughts. And if you want to see any of this in uh, in more detail, I did an article that public that posted to the site on Thursday that ran through each and what kind of role they might have next year. But um, top of my list, and this might not necessarily be in 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 order from most impactful to least impactful, um, but kind of. Uh, I think the the two at the top of my list uh, that could return that we don't know if they will would be Kevin Austin and Jason Adamiola. I think Austin, you know, we came into this year and if Austin would have had 60 plus catches, 1200 yards, you know, eight or nine touchdown type season, I think he would have left. Um, and I think he would have been smart to leave in that, uh, uh, you know, in that, in that regard. But yeah, he's got another. You know, he's got two years of eligibility left, actually. Um, and here, as I'm, as I'm reading this, I see another question coming in around the chances of each senior wide receiver coming in. So this is perfect timing here. Um, and that is from Elliot Pierce at Irish Cowboy uh, at Irish Cowboy thirteen. Uh, but with regards to you know Kevin Austin, I guess like, if he would have had that kind of monster you know breakout season, then I think maybe. Uh, you know, he leaves and, you know, could have been a decently high, you know, decently high draft pick, you know, as is if you're the NFL and you're looking at Kevin Austin, uh, you know, this year, you're looking at a pretty good year. Um, and you're looking at a guy who's, you know, after who's had uh, injury questions throughout his career, who has, uh, you know, stayed relatively healthy, you know, this year, I think that was the biggest challenge for him. But coming into this game, he's got 34 receptions, 569 yards, uh, you know, six touchdowns. Uh, on the, you know, on the season, he had the big game against Navy with six catches, 139 yards and the 70 yard bomb. But I mean, I think he has a chance to be a much, much higher draft pick if he comes back to Notre Dame, because right now, if you, if you look at comps, uh, you know, Equinemius St. Brown comes to mind, you know, he left maybe, you know, a year before most thought he was ready. Um, and he was a pretty late pick. Uh, I think his sixth round, you know, sixth round pick. I think that's what, if Austin comes out, he's probably looking at late round flyer uh, versus, you know, maybe even undrafted, 
uh, you know, free agent, uh, you know, this year, just because there's so many wide receivers, uh, you know, in, in the college game that are going to have, uh, you know, impressive stats. Uh, you know, there's always the chance that he goes to the combine and goes all miles Boykin on it and puts up some crazy numbers and, uh, you know, and moves up draft boards, but it's a big risk, I think to, uh, it's a big risk to take. Whereas if I think if he comes back, you look at what the offense could be in 2022, again, we're going to assume it's Tyler Buckner taking over the reins at quarterback. You're going to have a talented wide receiver, uh, running back, uh, you know, running back room capable of keeping defenses honest. You're going to have an all American tight end who defenses are going to have to, uh, you know, take it or are going to have to account for. And you're going to have a veteran offensive line with or without Jarrett Patterson, you know, returning. Uh, cause he, like I said, he could, you know, he could come back, but, um, you're going to see, you're going to most likely have Blake Fisher return. Um, you know, he's going to return from injury here soon. Uh, so you'll have him, most likely him and Alt anchoring the defensive, uh, or sorry, the offensive line. Probably have Zeke Carell move into that center position. Uh, we've seen Andrew Kristoffic emerge this year. And then you most likely have uh, Rocco Spindler coming in uh, from the, uh, will be a sophomore next year, probably replacing, uh, you know, Kane Madden. That's a line with, uh, I mean, pretty good experience. Uh, you know, you'd probably like Fisher to have had more experience this year before getting hurt, but um, Alt. Uh, you know, played a lot. Christophic played a lot. Carell started at center against Alabama in a, uh, you know, in a playoff game. So really the only one there that you're inserting, you know, into the lineup in that, in this scenario would be, uh, would be Spindler. But, you know, we saw the promise from him in the, uh, in the spring game. All that being, you're going to have the potential for a very, very potent offense. And Kevin Austin would be wide receiver one, you know, in that potentially potent offense. So I think, uh, you know, that, could have him move up draft boards quite a bit, um, you know, if he if he were to return. So on the offensive side of the ball, of all the guys who could return, he's probably top of my list of who I'd like to see return. Defensive side of the ball, we got Jason Adamiola, who moved into the starting lineup this year, uh, you know, for the first uh, you know for the first time. He has played great. Um, all of his advanced kind of metrics and you know the PFF grades, which take PFF PFF grades with a huge grain of salt are, you know, are really good. The rotation on the defensive line is probably the only thing that's prevented him from having kind of eye-popping stats this year. But, I mean, he has been, uh, you know, he has been very good. If Notre Dame were to get him back, you know, next year, that defensive line, uh, you know, has a chance to be, again, just nasty. Because uh, you're going to have, you know, Riley Mills, who we saw flashes from him, you know, last week you know, stepping in, you're going to have Jacob Lacey stepping in, uh, who we've seen really start to develop over the last, uh, over the last few weeks. Uh, so there's a lot of talent on that, uh, on that defensive line, you get him to return. And, um, again, he has a chance to be, you know, all American type season and move up, uh, you know, move up draft boards. How high he's get, he would get picked this year. It's really tough to say, um, you know, defensive lineman, there is a huge priority on in the NFL, so, I mean, he could be a high enough pick this year that he, you know, that, that he wants to, uh, you know, to take his chances. But if I had a wish list, you know, he would be right at the top of, uh, you know, right at the top of it on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, sticking with, you know, the defensive side of the ball, a couple other seniors I think I'd love to see return. Bo Bauer, who's got a potential, you know, who could, he could come back, uh, you know, next year. And uh, kudos to Bo Bauer, who has really developed, 
um, into a complete linebacker. Uh, I mean, he came to Notre Dame and a lot of people thought he was kind of a stereotypical, you know, Mike linebacker, old school linebacker. You probably read a lot of uh, articles about him when he was recruited that said, if this was 20 years ago, he'd be a five-star recruit, uh, maybe all American. Uh, you know, he's really evolved his game into where now, you know, given the injuries that Notre Dame has, I think he's our best cover linebacker. Um, and he's been playing, you know, fantastic football over the last uh, over the last few weeks. So I'd love to see, you know, him back next year. There's definitely, uh, you know, a spot for him, you know, on this defense, even with the influx of linebacker talent that Notre Dame has coming in in the freshman class, as well as, uh, you know, the linebackers that are going to be coming back from, uh, you know, from injury. So I think that would be huge for Notre Dame if Bo Bauer were to, uh, to return. Other seniors, again, who could come back. I'd love to see DJ Brown come back. He's started to uh, really elevate his game. The last few weeks, he's kind of developing a reputation of just being in the right place at the right time, which if you're a safety, it's kind of your job. Uh, so that's great to see, you know, DJ Brown, uh, you know, tied for the team lead in interceptions with, uh, you know, with three, he had another last week uh, at the end of the game. Love seeing him try to bring that out of the end zone with nothing to lose. Uh, that was fun to watch. Uh, he was hoping to, uh, to make a hundred plus yard house call, but, uh, just came up a little bit, a uh, little bit short, but, uh, would love to see him come back. I think you're really starting to see a nice safety rotation develop between him or safety rotation for the future develop between him, Ramon Henderson, who emerged last week against, uh, Virginia, as well as Xavier Watts, uh, who man, kudos to him for starting the year on offense, moving to linebacker, and now all of a sudden getting real live reps at safety and playing uh, playing pretty good football. Uh, so you get those three back at the back end of the defense next year, and uh, you got a pretty good uh, potential to have a pretty good uh, safety room. Tariq Bracey is another player. He could come back because of the free year. He's had a very up-and-down career. He's even had an up-and-down season, but he's really played well in the second half of the season. Brian Kelly's made mention of it a couple times of, uh, you know, just the development that they've seen from him. Um, so I think, again, there is a there's a spot on this defense if, uh, you know, if Tariq Bracey were to return in, uh, in, in 2022. And lastly, on the defensive side of the ball, I got Justin Adamiola. Because, um, again, if, uh, if Jason comes back, you obviously you need his, uh, you know, his twin, uh, you know, his partner in crime, uh, you know, to, uh, to come back. Again, he has played very, very well this year um, and would love to see him, uh, you know, to see him return. I think you might see some, depending on who does come back, who doesn't come back on the defensive line, I think you might see some movement. For instance, if Foskey returns for, you know, for a senior season, um, you know, maybe just Justin Adamiola kicks over to strong side um, and has a timeshare there with Riley Mills replacing, uh, you know, replacing Myron. Or something along uh, something along those lines, so they could free up some reps for Jordan Botello. Um, if Foskey were to leave for the NFL, then Adamiola, you know, might stay at Viper and actually be the starter. Um, so there would be obviously a role for him there. Um, so those are the ones on defense that I would feel like really would have a strong impact if they, you know, if they returned uh, next year. A couple more on offense that I haven't touched on: Avery Davis. You know, prior to the injury that he suffered against Navy, I don't think I would have thought of him as potentially coming back for a sixth year, but he's got that option, um, you know, available to him. And I mean, you got to want, you got to think that, you know, 
going to the NFL this year would be a tough go for him, you know, coming off uh, of an ACL injury suffered at the, you know, at the, uh, you know, at the end of the year. So even if he just came back, um, you know, just so that he could rehab, you know, uh, you know, basically, you know, rehab on Notre Dame's dime and, and provide what he can on the field, you know, his leadership um, and his maturity would be great to have uh, on what figures to be an otherwise, uh, you know, pretty young team next year. So would love to see Avery Davis come back. I mean, he's also just one of my favorite players of the last, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years of Notre Dame football is because of, you know, how resilient he's been, how he's handled moving around to so many positions, you know, coming in as a, you know, as a quarterback um, and, you know, probably thinking that one day he was going to be the next quarterback at Notre Dame and then moving to uh, what first running back and then corner and then back to running back and then receiver and just kind of moving all around. Uh, you know, he's really handled all of that in stride. He's finally found, he finally found that home at receiver. We were starting to see him, uh, you know, really become a consistent uh, weapon for, you know, for, uh, you know, for Notre Dame. And then unfortunately, you know, he, uh, he hurts his ACL in a non-contact, uh, you know, a non-contact move. And, uh, and sadly, you know, we'll miss the, uh, the rest of the year. Won't be able to, uh, you know, play in, in senior day uh, tomorrow, but uh, has that uh, sixth year available. I would love to see him, uh, you know, take advantage, uh, take advantage of that. Another one, and again, this goes back to the question around wide receivers, is you got Joe Wilkins, who I think, you know, he's coming back from injury. He'll be an interesting one to watch. He, you know, looked like, I mean, he would have had a big role this year with all the other injuries at receiver if he stayed healthy. I just kind of feel like every time we see Joe Wilkins on the field and the ball goes his way, he catches it. And, um, you know, that's a good, it's a good attribute to have in a wide receiver, somebody who just gets open and, and, and catches the ball. We've seen him in limited, you know, limited doses over the last, um, you know, over the last couple of years, but, um, you know, would definitely would not mind seeing him return. The only receiver I haven't mentioned here, you know, is Braden Lindsay. And I've li- he's kind of in my, I'm unsure of, uh, in terms of what'll happen with him. I know in the preseason, he actually said he was not planning, you know, on, on returning, but yeah, his numbers this year don't really jump out, uh, you know, in terms of you know, grabbing the attention of NFL scouts, 20 catches, 232 yards, uh, you know, on the season and two touchdowns, a long of only 32 when, you know, he should be kind of the deep threat. And part of that I do think is just not him not being utilized to the best of his capabilities, um, partly because of the early season struggles of the offensive line. And I think Notre Dame wanted to be more of a deep shot offense, but the offensive line did not cooperate and Jack Cohn was getting sacked, uh, at, you know, at a record pace. So they had to adjust what they were, you know, what they were doing when that sadly took a lot of those deep plays off of the, uh, you know, off of the plate of, uh, you know, of Lindsay, they did dial up the one deep shot last week, which I loved seeing when Buckner was in the game, where Buckner was kind of on the run. It was an RPO. It looked like he might run. And then he just like on the run fires it down the field to Lindsay. Uh, and then, you know, actually drew the pass interference penalty. So it was a successful play in that regard. doesn't show up in the stat sheet for Lindsay, but um, it does, uh, you know, it was an impactful play. So he'd be, he's an interesting one. It's going to be interesting to see what, you know, kind of, you know, where, you know, where he nets out with, uh, you know, potentially, 
uh, you know, coming back, like I said, we know he said he didn't want to in the beginning. I believe actually, I should say he said he didn't, he said he didn't want to at, at one point in the preseason, but uh, I, I mean, he comes back and you got another deep threat there. I think the one challenge, you know, for him specifically would be, uh, you know, Lorenzo Styles as also potentially emerging as a deep threat. And we've seen what, what Styles, uh, you know, can do. So that would just be, I would say, more of a, uh, you know, a challenge in terms of, uh, you know, him coming back and, you know, maybe not if he came, if he came back, not necessarily being kind of the, the unquestioned, uh, you know, starter that he was, uh, you know, that he was this year. But I personally am a big Braden Lindsay fan. I would love to see him re- return because I think I don't, I should say, I don't think we have seen what Braden Lindsay is really capable of because Notre Dame in, in Lindsay's time, Notre Dame has not had an offense uh, that really is kind of tailored to a deep threat, speedy receiver like Lindsay. And I think next year you might, you know, have that. You're going to have Buckner who's got an arm. You're going to have an offensive line that should be experienced and should be able to give Buckner time. And I think, uh, you know, there's, there's potential there for, uh, you know, for Lindsay to have, uh, you know, the kind of year that I think we all thought he might have this year. It just didn't happen. Uh, you know, the chemistry between he and Cone was shaky in the beginning of the season. The line wasn't giving him time, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, to call those plays and Notre Dame adjusted. So I thought the play last week though, that Tommy Reese dialed up was a great way to get, um, you know, Lindsay involved and take, uh, take advantage, you know, of his speed where he scored the touchdown. Maybe we see a little bit more of that. And it is senior day. Even if it doesn't work, I hope they dial up at least one deep shot for, uh, for Braden Lindsay. Uh, some other seniors, again, who have eligibility to return. I mean, we'll see kind of where all of these, uh, you know, net out. But um, a couple of others that uh, that I haven't touched on so far. You got Shane Simon um, at linebacker. Ah, man, again, feel bad for him because you got, again, he would have had a huge role this year uh, had he not gotten hurt once Maris went down. But then he goes down as well. I mean, he spent a lot of 2020 as a starter, but now you look at if he comes back, Bertrand has emerged, Marist is going to be back, and you also have Prince Kali ascending, who looks like he'll be playing at uh, you know at the the will linebacker position. So just kind of a, a clouded clouded position group for him, you know, if he you know if he were to return, but he does have uh, you know he does have eligibility left. Another speaking at linebacker, you got Paul Mawala. Uh, yeah, again, you feel terrible for him because injuries have kind of robbed us of, of what he might be capable of at Rover the uh, you know the last two years. He comes back and then he's got to deal with you know Jack Kaiser, who's now kind of emerged as the Rover, but then also Jalen Sneed coming in, who you know may or may not be ready to play from uh, you know from day one as uh you know as well and he's coming off two you know fairly significant uh significant injuries so uh kind of murky there in terms of uh you know whether or not he would be uh whether or not he would be back uh other seniors who i haven't touched on i mean sebo flemister went from scoring 10 touchdowns between 2019 and 2020 to having three carries this year I mean, we know the the issues surrounding his early season and availability. Brian Kelly was always vague, you know, on that. But even over the last few weeks, as uh, you know, when when 
Chris Tyree went down. Logan Diggs was the one who got the carries and was given the chance to uh, to kind of emerge there. So you got to wonder if uh, if tomorrow's the last time we see Sebo, uh, you know, line up or uh, suit up in Notre Dame Stadium. Uh, and then rounding out, the last two I haven't touched on are George Takis and uh, John Dirksen. Again, uphill battle probably for Takis. Uh, you know, if he if he were to come back, Bauman was out this year, uh, most of this year, and you know we still didn't see him involved in the uh, in the pass game too much. But uh, you know, Bauman's back. Uh, Kane uh, Barong will be back from from injury. Mitchell Evans has emerged. So uh, very talented, very crowded tight end room there. And then John Dirksen. You know, for all the struggles that we saw. The offensive line, Dirksen was one who didn't really get a chance, um, you know, to, uh, to to get in the game much. So, again, you would wonder, you know, what kind of role there is there. And, hey, some of these players, by the way, might not care about that. I think we as fans always think like, oh, if there's not a clear starting position available for a player, they're going to grad transfer, or they're going to transfer, blah, 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 blah. That might not always be the case. You know, some of these players might just say like, hey, you know what? I'm good. You know, I played four years. I played five years. I'm going to get on with my life and I'm going to, you know, use this Notre Dame degree and I'm going to do what I went to school for. And that's more than fine, right? That's awesome if that's the, if that's the case, because that's the kind of, you know, student athlete that Notre Dame, you know, that Notre Dame develops. Some of these other might say, you know what, maybe I don't care if I'm going to start as a fifth year. I want to come back. I want to keep getting again, free Notre Dame, uh, free Notre Dame education and keep taking advantage of it as long as the staff, you know, extends that invite and they want to take it, you know, more, uh, you know, more power to them. So uh, a lot of questions this year regarding all these players because you just don't know. Um, the other thing to keep in mind is that as of now, you know, the NCAA has said the 85 scholarship limit, you know, is going to have to be met, you know, even with quote unquote super seniors. But I know there's some thought that, you know, they might extend it. There's been talk about that. I know some of the coaches want to do that because you got all these kids who you've, you've now told, you know, you got an extra year of eligibility. Um, you know, if they want to use it, then, you know, you it makes it tough on uh, you know on these programs to to keep within 85. So that's something to again just keep in mind to watch out for, um, and we'll see we'll see how that plays out. But again, as of today, you know, getting back under 85 is is supposedly you know what will need to happen. So that's all going to go into the coaching staff's evaluation too of who they do and do not extend. You know that uh, that fifth year that fifth year offer or sixth year offer too, in some cases. I think the only one that we've heard specifically Brian Kelly say out loud was Avery Davis when he announced Davis's injury. And he said that, um, you know, Davis was going to be welcome back for a sixth year if he wanted it. Um, so I think that is, um, that's again, something to, uh, to, uh, to, to, for us all to, uh, to pay attention to. I know everybody gets Caught up on scholarship limits, never, ever, ever comes down to it. Uh, you know, every time we all get worried, oh, we're going to be over the 85 when the 85 limit is in place, you always end up the season. You're like, oh, we're actually at 83 or we're at 82. There's going to be transfers. You know, think about last year, the, the roster turnover. So even all these guys that I went through that I would say, the ones that I said I would love to see come back, who knows? Some of them might want to gra- you know, might want to transfer out and go somewhere where they're guaranteed you know, a total spot or a spot to just be, you know, the guy, you know, at their, you know, at their position instead of doing a timeshare, uh, which they might have to do at Notre Dame because of the the depth that the uh, the Irish have, uh, you know, have built up. So 
that's my run through on the senior class. Regardless, um, you know, cheer for all of these guys tomorrow, specifically the ones that we know will be their last game. Um, yeah, the, again, uh, the ones that we know for sure, you know, as of today are Kane Madden, Jack Cohn, uh, Kurt, uh, you know, Kurt Heinish. And who am I missing? There's one more that I know completely. Uh, oh, and Jonathan Dorr. Those are the ones that we know will be their last game because they have no more eligibility left. Um, and we could assume Kyron and Kyle uh, will be gone. So uh, cheer for them. Cher- again, cherish every carry that Kyron Williams makes tomorrow in the event that it is his last game in Notre Dame Stadium because he's going to go down as one of the greatest running backs in Notre Dame football history, regardless of where he you know, nets out in terms of you know stats and yards and all that fun stuff. Uh, he's been a ridiculous running back to watch. So again, uh, cheer, you know, cheer, cheer him on cheer. All Kurt Heinish too, is going to go down as playing the most games in Notre Dame football history. Um, again, maybe one of these future super seniors, if they come back for their sixth year, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll tie him. But, um, I mean, Heinish has just been a, you know, great representative of the university. He's been a great defensive lineman, cheer him on. Um, and the rest of these guys, um, this is a senior class that helped, you know, the, the return, you know, the, the, the quote unquote return of Notre Dame in Brian Kelly, you know, 2.0, when things were looking a little bleak there, you know, this is, uh, you know, the, this senior class has been a part of, uh, of a program that's won a lot of games. Uh, and you know, hopefully tomorrow they make it 10, uh, 10 wins, you know, for, uh, for a fifth season in, uh, you know, in a row. And hopefully they, you know, they get 11 in, uh, a week from now and you know we see where the chips lie uh, the chips fall then so with that i'm going to wrap up for today i'm going to come in just under an hour it's a long time for me to be talking by myself um last point i did not make my official prediction for this game but as you could probably tell i was pretty confident in notre dame coming into this one and i'm going to go with uh it's in my official preview post that I published this morning, so I can't really change that now, can I? No. Notre Dame, 41. Georgia Tech, 13. I think, if anything, Notre Dame might uh, slow itself down from time to time. You might see a couple settling for field goals, maybe a couple miscues in the red zone like we've seen the last few weeks. But otherwise, I think Notre Dame's going to be kind of be able to do what they want on offense. And uh, I don't think Georgia Tech is going to do a whole lot on uh, on Marcus Freeman's defense. You're going to see an easy win. You're going to see Notre Dame empty the benches in the fourth quarter. You're going to see some guys get on the field, you know, who deserve, uh, you know, who deserve some reps, some walk-ons, and um, you know, and things like that. So, with that, I again, I thank you for listening to me for an hour uh, without uh, without a co-host. So I appreciate anybody who uh, who is still listening to me right now. Appreciate all of the reviews and everybody who has been listening. If you haven't listened to Greg's podcast with uh, Matt Freeman from Our Sports Daily from earlier this week, give it a listen. Some really cool insights into uh, you know into uh, into recruiting. Other than that, keep the reviews coming, keep subscribing, keep listening, uh, keep sending us questions. We try to answer all of them every week. If we miss a question, we apologize, but we do try to get uh, all of them, uh, all of them uh, uploaded. And with that, I will say go Irish, and I will talk to you all next week. <laughs>